Welcome back. I'm Ismail Akhrin. You're with Cape Talk. I am uh, would like to hear from you. The lines are open. The airways are open. And we have open minds. Call us at 021-446-0567. Drop us a WhatsApp message at 072-567-1567. We want to hear from you. We want to turn to uh, something that's uh, uh, a little disturbing. The city of Cape Town has moved to suspend four law enforcement officers who were shown on video evicting a naked man from his shack during a demolition of informal dwellings in Kailicha on Wednesday. The video was video, uh, widely circulated on social media uh, and shows several Metro Police officers surrounding a, uh, a shack while two officers push the unidentified man out of his home. The man is tackled to the ground while another police officer sh- is shown kneeling on his back. Onlookers attempting to assist are pepper sprays. He's believed the man was having a bath at the time of the eviction. Cape Town's Executive Director for Safety and Security, Richard Bossman, said in a statement on Wednesday night that an investigation into the incident is underway with disciplinary proceedings expected to be implemented. Joining me on the line now is Elder de Klerk, uh, senior policing expert. Good evening, Elder, and welcome. Good evening, Ishmael, and good evening, chair listeners. Yeah, Elder... This is so much, there's so much going on. Um, you know, my immediate res- res- response was shock and horror, but I did get involved in an argument um, on Twitter. It wasn't a major argument. I just I just said, uh, somebody attacked the, the DA, or, and, and I just reminded them that, you know, the, the DA, uh, and this is not standing up for the DA, because sure. DA or the ANC do not give directors directives to abuse people it is the police who are doing it on the front lines is is that is that fair to say that it's an abuse of power by the police well it's abuse of authority that we as the citizen invest in them by mm. giving them a letter of authority yeah. after adequate training what we do have though politically is that they the leadership of the city have to take political responsibility for what happened as much as Richard Bosman, as the executive director, takes professional responsibility for what happens because he is the, account, the accounting officer, but there's responsibility on both sides. And with all due respect, J.P. Smith yeah. is sitting down an unfortunate <clears throat> feeling um, with these specialized units right. of creating a climate in which the citizens of, of Cape Town is subjected to law enforcement and metro police who seems to be a law unto themselves. Um, the man, you know, I don't know if we should, you know, it's, it's, it was no, such a, it's such shouldn't. a, I, I don't know if we should uh, name him. No. It's, it's fair to give him a name, but it's also, you know, he's been dehumanized and it's, it, it breaks one's heart. Um, he was evicted illegally, is that, is that correct? Because, or, was he le- was he evicted because he was settled illegally and what is the uh, well from 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 what i understand and and there's a number of issues at play here one the richard bossman was hard pushed um on earlier on and in an interview with, that he did on SAFM mm-hmm. where he tried to explain why they were going there they believed that the shacks were unoccupied Right. There were supposed to be 49, I think, shacks that were that were were identified as being occupied. The rest were supposed to be unoccupied. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Right. That is why they held that they didn't need to go to court and get an eviction order because essentially they were going to demolish un, unoccupied shacks. When you come upon a shack and you find somebody in it with their bed and their bathing, then that shack becomes occupied and the rules change, which means now you have a shack that's occupied and you cannot, without an eviction order, evict mm. that person. Right. So the very act in itself is irregular, to say the least, say, yeah. and unlawful at that. Yeah. Now, Elder, there, there is a. I, I, I've brought this up before, and the, and the facts elude me. I should probably look into it because I, I always bring it up. There, there was a court decision in the eighties, and I think Judge Goldsmith. Uh, it was, uh, and 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 I may be completely wrong. It was Goldsmith versus Mrs. Moodley or Mrs. Mm -hmm. Govender, I think, where the law, the the decision of the courts was, you cannot evict someone until you have provided them with alternative, you know, occupation. In other yes, words, indeed. you can't I mean, just flatten someone's shack and leave them exactly. standing. Exactly. That, that standing is still there, which oh. is why a lot of landlords say that it's impossible to evict right. people who is on these things. However, um, you should supposedly give due notice. And if somebody has been irregular in it, you know, the courts, that's why you need to go to court. And the court will make a judgment based on that. However, we are under the disaster management regulation at the moment where there's been a conscious decision from national government that right. these evictions will not stand. And the civil society groups who's been tackling this thing for weeks have actually got a court interdict mm. <laughs> where, where they have asked the city and have been fighting the city on this very, on, on, around the, you know, this very matter. Um, so, so, so there's a lot here to be considered, but in the first place, they should not be evicting people. And this idea that they were simply going to demolish empty shacks doesn't hold water, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. The, the, this this matter will not go away because we have such desperation and such desperate shortages of of housing with people, you know, trying to. Uh, migrate towards the cities and, and, and uh, for work. Absolutely. I mean, the UN says that, you know, within a few years, what, 75 plus percent of the world's population will live in cities. Yeah. No, it, it, you know, the other thing is that it plays into every ugly stereotype of the, of the black body. Isn't that so? Indeed. Um, the worrying thing for me watching this is that the person was completely dehumanized. It Absolutely. wasn't like they were dealing... Yeah. They seem to be chasing around a dog who was on, four, on all fours, trying to, mm. you know, protect his dignity, trying mm. to, to, to say, look, hold on, I'm, all I'm trying to do is go inside so I can clothe myself, I can throw something on, and they were preventing this person. They weren't seeing an individual. There was not a human being in front of them. And that's the very sad reality of what we're dealing with. The person is completely not a person. Yeah, I think the uh, the notes that I read that was that the one of the officers had his knee on 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 the man's back. Well, I mean, well, they, they were trying to restrain him, right. um, and somehow stop him from going back into the sh into. I mean, he wasn't running away; he was trying to get back inside to get right. dressed. You it, know, so where's the professional discernment and right. judgment in dealing with this matter? Right. Um, and then four officers are, are suspended together with the supervisor, while all the officers around those four are actually complicit 
in in terms of how this 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 man was dealt with. Yeah, that's the point. The point is doing nothing is actually doing something. Indeed, and that's why this idea of a code of conduct should become a code of practice, because part of that should be the ability and the duty of every officer to challenge improper conduct and behavior from a fellow officer. And I'll be keen to see how this, in, in, you know, in America, they're calling to do away with internal investigation by police. Oh. Yeah, I would, I, I would say the same. We have IPED. IPED should also have jurisdiction mm-hmm. over the, the municipal police and law enforcement. There should be clear civilian oversight, not only set up so the city have to be asked where is your civilian oversight right. and who's going to be investigating this matter. But more importantly, even if those officers, who, you know, Richard Bossman said, and I'm going to mention his name because he mentioned it, that he, he, he saw the video and he took time, you know, he, he responded in a very timely manner. Within a few hours, I'd seen the video, he suspended the officers. Kudos to him for doing so. However, all those single other officers on scene and every other citizen on scene is an eyewitness to this thing. So I want to know, will in the course of this investigation, they'll actually take eyewitness accounts from the very officers who were present. You know, the, what is also interesting is, you know, suddenly these officers are demanding or expecting uh certain rights and privilege and due process during investigations but they didn't seem to uh, that didn't seem to apply to this man absolutely um and that's the thing i mean you know apart from the briefing that they get where there should be an instruction about how to execute your duty and that's why they have supervisors on site to make sure that people follow instructions when officers are suspended there's a whole process and he said that he's hoping it won't take three months Mm. yeah yeah now that same courtesy was not extended to anybody when it came to these evictions those evictions supposed to be led by somebody who knows how to do public order policing Mm -hmm. at best the metro officers got first responder public order training yeah at best Right. That means a couple of weeks of being able to to take up positions, do a cordon, move in, in, in consort or in unison with other people, yada, yada, yada. However, the first port of call was to go through shack by shack and communicate to people that you must, if it was a lawful eviction, pack up your stuff, you need to go. Move your stuff outside the the the, the 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 shack itself. It's supposed to be demolished in a way that if somebody wants to salvage what is there, they're supposed to be able to do so. So the and the way those officers were dressed, they came expecting firstly right. to be heavy-handed. They expected people to to be sub subservient and to comply and to be obedient. If not, they were ready to take action. So there was no consideration for communicating, for non-intervention, for seeking compliance, for seeking cooperation, for getting people to assist in the process, which is where you're supposed to go. De-escalation, we've heard it all, all the way through everything that's been said in the U.S. It's the same professional policing principles that's, and standards that's supposed to hold for our law enforcement people. So they did everything wrong to my book.
Yeah, that's. Let me just remind our listeners that uh, we have on the line uh, Elder De Clerk, who's a senior policing expert. And if you have any questions or if you have any ideas and you want to say anything, the lines are open and the airways are open. And please call us at 021 446 0567. Drop us a WhatsApp message at 072 1567. Elder, let me just ask you we need to challenge the city as to what public oversight processes are and yeah. challenge the idea of internal investigations in the, in the first place. What is there to investigate where this video or evidence of what happened? How do, what, what's the next step? Well, the first step would be not to look at a video. The video simply says there's grounds for an investigation. Yeah? Right, right. The second thing is to see what the officers recorded in the incident books, what incident report has the officers given. Now we know that the language used in incidents reports are one where officers continue the culture of the thin blue line, which is basically, I cover my behind. Yeah. Yeah? So they got to look at the incidents report and then compare the incidents report to witness statements, which will include in this case, both civilians and fellow officers, and then any other footage. Now you would hope that it's not just civilians or onlookers, um, video that's there, they should have a video and a camera person, a professional person that goes and accompanies every single one of these evictions to document what happens so that that can be used to show that there was compliance to professional policing standards and that they've always acted in a way to retain the dignity of individuals. So the first port of call was to uh, needs to be to get the representative for these officers, and often they would, they would be represented by union members or some sort of senior officer. They'll put together an investigation panel. They'll review the evidence, and based on the evidence, they'll follow whatever, in whatever disciplinary code um, or sanction um, based on, on, on evidence. Oh. As Richard Bossman has said, he hopes that this one takes three months. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to, um, before you know, I let you go, just want to, I just want to make... The one point again that you know this uh, it, it this is this was dehumanizing, and uh, to dear listeners, we we have the, the person's name, but I'm loath to to uh, no. to use his name and expose him publicly because it is it's well the thing is this, I mean I, it's I hurtful and painful, should, of course, and and yet at the same time we should we should proudly go and give him a hug and say look what could happen to you could have happened to me. You know, yeah. it's the same with, with, with any of us getting the COVID-19 um, infection. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, 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 the victim should not be stigmatized in this. The victim shouldn't be treated with disdain as if he did anything wrong. Yeah. No, he was truly the victim. Yeah. And if he is going to be a survivor, we, we own what has happened. Yeah. We help him through that process. And it's fortunate that there are civil society groups who will now take this matter to court. Yeah. And I hope that those... It's unfortunate that there shouldn't just be civil procedures, but also criminal procedures um, based on the fact, yeah. the, the facts of the matter and the evidence as, as found. Eldred, um, I want to thank you for coming online. And I just want to say uh, again that this is happening far too often. And uh, the frequency, uh, it's just... Uh, <laughs> It's never well, it's okay. A of leadership. It's never I mean, okay, it's, but it's it's we are in a particularly difficult time now, and uh, I don't know how you train. How many police officers are there in this country? Well, the point is that I mean, there's over two hundred thousand just SAPS members, and yeah. then there are 
you know, significant number of law enforcement and metro police officers in the major metropoles. The point is that it's more than training because I would hope that the training that is called for, which is supposed to be human rights training, all of them should have that training as a matter of course. In fact, it's the purview and the responsibility of the National Commissioner mm-hmm. of Police to right. set down the standards and the professional curricula for law enforcement, especially Metro Police. Yeah. That's the first thing. And, and I would hope that the training is real life-based training, that it's practical scenario-based training, where they look at how, even when you are cuffing somebody, arresting somebody, you should still do so and retain what the Constitution says we're entitled to, which is the right to life and the right to dignity. Thank you very much, Elred de Klerk, uh, for joining us this evening. We uh, were just discussing the uh, dehumanizing of a man taking a shower and demolition of his shack.